All right. So anyways, so Wyatt asked me this question the other day. Uh, he's like, it, 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 was a, it was a smart question. And he's like, hey, are you super bummed that, like, you don't get a summer? Because, like, I work full time and stuff. And I was like, uh. So anyways, so, so Wyatt asked me this question. He's like, uh, <laughs> he said, hey, man, are you super bummed that you're not going to get a summer? And I thought about it for a second. And I was like, it's a good question. But no, I'm not really bummed I don't get a summer because here's the thing, like, you guys love summer because, like, you get to go do whatever you want to, like, every day, but here, like, of, of the summertime. But here's what I get to do every day. I get to go home and do whatever I want to. <laughs> like, every day is summer for me. Like, as the, as the adult, I get to go home and I'm like, I don't have parents. <laughs> like, you know, I can go and watch Netflix for hours. I don't really go do that, but, like, I mean, I could if I wanted to. I wish I'd have time to go do that because everyone tells me, like, have you seen this show? And I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen it yet. No, you go to watch whatever Alex watches all the time. I forgot that show. Uh, but so, like, I, it's, it, it, every day is summer for me, so I'm okay with that. And as an, an adult, I guess, like, I can... I'm okay with not getting three months where I don't do anything. I think I would literally lose my mind if, like, for three months someone said, hey, don't do anything. Like, I would literally lose my mind, Um, quite literally. So, anyways, so this is what we're doing, old school summer at Refuge, okay? Here's what we get to do this summer. We're going through some Old Testament stories. Ripping for the Old Testament. Anybody excited for some Old Testament stuff? Woo-woo! And so we... We, we normally go through, like, we, we're going through Colossians now, and we tend to kind of gravitate towards the New Testament. It's great stuff in the New Testament. We're not, like, bashing on it, but some people times the Old Testament gets a bad rap because it's like, oh, those stories are kind of old, and I don't really want to follow. You know, if you ever read uh, Leviticus, not Leviticus, yeah, Leviticus. <laughs> Awful. No, I'm just kidding. It's great. It's God's Word. But it seriously is like, it's just like, you're like, it's like, so-and-so has to take this dove and cut it open. And then, like, you know, you're like, this is really like watching a horror film. Um, So, but here's, we're not going to teach from Leviticus. I'm not teaching from Leviticus tonight. I don't know what Patrick's doing in a few weeks. But here's the cool thing. No, this is cool. In the next couple weeks, Patrick's going to come and teach for you guys in a little bit. How many is excited about that? I'm excited about that. Jordan Smith is going to come teach in a little bit. So I'm excited for those guys to teach uh, coming up this summer. So, but here's the question I have for you guys. So as, as we read the Bible in its entirety and everything like that, when we hear, um, I'm going to throw this behind my shoulder. I feel like it's better that way. So uh, when we read the Bible from front to back and we, and we, and, and we, and we read about these stories, and, and we're going to go through a bunch of these kind of crazy stories this summer, um, and we, we see these miracles that God works. We see these miracles that, that God does. Um, in, in, in the Old Testament, you know, we see things like Moses, you know, separating the, parting the Red Sea, and like, it's like, whoa, it's crazy, man. God parted an ocean. Not an ocean, but just a large lake. And so, and, and, we, see, and we see things like Jesus spit into dirt, and, and, he, and, he, and he makes mud, and he puts it on a blind man's eyes, and he makes him see again. And we're like, that's incredible. And we read these stories in the Bible, and we're like, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And if I was to poll the room tonight and ask you guys a question, don't raise your hand or anything like that, but if I was to ask you guys, man, how many of you guys believe that kind of stuff still happens? Like, how many of you guys believe that, that, that God still works in those same kind of ways? You know, and if, and if your question, if your answer, answer that question is, is no, my, my question for you is why? Why all of a sudden did God's nature change to where he doesn't do those things anymore? And, you know, why, why do we assume that, man, God just doesn't? We don't see those kind of things anymore. But if you say yes, if you say, yeah, I believe that God still does those kind of things, then the same sort of question is, well, why don't we see that? 
Why, why, if we believe that to be true, if we believe that God works the same way since the beginning of creation where he like spoke words and then there was the earth and then you know, he, Moses comes in the picture and then like his, his, his rod turns into a snake and then like all this crazy stuff, all these plagues and then, like, and, and then God you know, rescues Israel time and time again from enemies that with overwhelming odds or against them. God pulls the victory out for them. And we, we read these stories and we're like, Man, why don't we see that today? Like, why don't we see those kind of things now? And we're going to talk about that, but here's my belief. I believe those things still can happen today. I do. I believe those kind of things still happen today, and I don't think that you're going to go down to Lake Mead and do one of these, and Lake Mead's going to part down the middle, you know, like, and it's going to be like this awesome thing, because when you look at the bottom, it's probably filled with, like, mob cars and, like, dead bodies, and so that's probably not a great thing, but, but here's, here's, here's the point, is that we, we might need to look at it just a little bit differently, but I still believe that God works in the same ways. I still believe that God wants to show you that he can do incredible, impossible things in and through your life. And for those of you guys, whether you're, you know, coming up in refuge as a seventh grader and you're going to be an eighth grader next year, whether you are a high school graduate, I present, and you guys are going on to college next year, man, God still is saying to you every single day, those same sort of miracles that I accomplished throughout the entire Bible, I want to do those sort of things in your life. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a portion of Scripture. So if you guys will go to Joshua chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. So it's Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 15. And you're like, wait a minute, man. we were just in Joshua before Life of Jesus Follower stuff. And so, yes, we were. But I'm going to go through, we're going to go through it some more here. Um, and and here's, the, here's the cool thing, is that, is that Joshua has, Joshua's an amazing person. If you ever just want to take some time, if you're looking through God's word, go through the book of Joshua to see a, a young person with an incredible amount of faith to believe. Like, he was the guy that had, like, the bold faith, like, the crazy faith that, you know, he sees giants and he's like, God, we can do this, you know, and like, you know, and like everybody's like, no, there's giants in the room, you know, we can't, we can't defeat the army, and, and, and Josh was like, yeah, we can, you know, he's like, because he knows who God is, he knew that God could do those kind of things, and so he's saying, yeah, I want to see that happen, so Joshua chapter 10 is an interesting story, um, and, and we'll kind of get to that in a second, but what's happening, kind of set up real quick, is that Joshua is fighting uh, a battle here against the Amorites, and what's going down is that uh, God says, hey, listen, Joshua, I'm going to deliver the Amorites into your hands. Like, he's like, I'm going to, basically, they're going to be yours. You're going to have victory over these people. And what's going on is that it's, 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 it's becoming dark, that the, the daylight's closing, that, you know, there's going to be nighttime soon, okay? And what's happening is that there's not going to be enough light left. And what happens is once the lights go off, fighting is over. This is not modern warfare, Okay. Call of Duty people, all right? This is not like, there's no night vision goggles, okay? There's no predators, is that what those things are called? I don't even play video games, I don't even know. Guys, answer, help me out here, is that, is that what it's called? I'm looking over here at these guys, they're like not even answering, because they're like, I don't play that game. I don't want to tell, I don't want to, I don't, I'm too mature for that. Uh, so, so, so once the lights go off, boom, the battle's over, and you have to, and you have to wait, and Josh is saying, I, I don't, I don't want to wait. I can't wait. God, we can't wait for this to happen. So here's what he prays. Here's what he asks God. Look there in verse, uh, chapter, or verse 12 in chapter 10. It says this. At the time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of, yep, 
and the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There's been no day like it before or since. When the Lord obeyed, when the, Lord obeyed the voice of a man, the Lord fought for Israel. Okay? You don't understand what just happened just now. The sun stopped. The, the, that Joshua says, hey God, listen, you, you want me to, to, to vanquish my enemies. You want me to, 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 to stop the Amorites. And, and here's, what's, here, here's, here's the thing. When we talk about this kind of fighting in the Bible, what's, what's happening on here, it's not like this like random, like, God's like, eh, kill those guys. Like, he's not doing that. He's, what he's saying is that he's saying, listen, I've got a promise land for you. I've got a place where you're supposed to inhabit, where you're supposed to dwell. But here's what's, here's what's wrong. There's, there's some really bad stuff going on. There's some really bad things going on, and you've got to eradicate it. Like, nothing left of it. You've got to get rid of it. Because here's the thing. Is it's like a cancer. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. And that if you don't get rid of it completely, it's, it's going to come back, and it's going to be even worse than before. And so he's saying, listen, go and wipe out the Amorites. And it sounds awful. It sounds horrendous. But listen, this is like a, it's, it's, it's an incredible metaphor for the type of things that we deal with on a daily basis. When God says, hey, listen, that sin, that junk in your life, you've got to get rid of it completely. There's no halfway when it comes to dealing with sin and junk in your life. There's no like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll stop doing a little bit of this kind of stuff. God says no. Like, you have to get rid of it totally, completely, 100%. Because here's the thing. Sin is a cancer, and it will come back, and it will destroy you. He's saying if you do not take care of it, and that's not really what we're talking about, but here, that's why I want you guys to kind of see that it's, he, he's, 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 he wants to finish the job because he says, God, you've told me, you've promised me that you've given the Amorites into my hands. So here's what I'm asking you to do, God. Make the sun stop. And I'm, it, we're not going to get into like a science lesson about like, well, I think the sun would happen because like we're the earth and we go around the sun. The sun doesn't actually move. Listen, this is not a science lesson today. We're not going to talk about this because you're out of school. And so but here's my point of what I want to talk about. Is that Joshua, an ordinary human being, a, a simple person, said to God, he said, God, make the sun stop. Whatever that looks like, whether that's, he, he made it appear that the time was longer or whether he literally stopped everything or whatever he had to hold in the place to make it happen. But here's the point of the story is that God did something incredible and awesome and impossible through an ordinary human being. He did something that just, it, it blows my mind to think about it and it probably blows your mind to think about it too to think that, what? <laughs> like he can't, what? He, he did, he stopped everything for, for this? And, and for what I want you guys to understand tonight is this. I want you guys to see that in us in this room, that this is a room with a bunch of Joshua's in it, that God wants to say to us and, and, and look at you and, and look at your own life and say, listen, I want to create some impossible things in your life that I want to accomplish in and through you. I, I'm not satisfied. I'm not content with you just kind of you know, doing the Christian thing and rolling the whole same dice every day. He's saying, I want you to experience my incredible, awesome power. Just like Joshua did when he had the boldness to pray and say, God, make the sun stop. Give me more time so I can accomplish what you've promised me that I will accomplish. Because he knew the end result. God already said, hey, hey Joshua, the, the end is yours. The victory is mine. I've already taken it for you. Joshua knew the promise at the end. He just didn't know the, the in-between. But here's what he knew that he could do. He could ask God for extra time. He knew that he can talk to God and say, Hey, God, 
You're big enough. You can do something impossible. Let me test you on this. You can do this. You can do this. And there's three points I want to make tonight with this. And, and it's you're the first little blank here on your uh, handouts. Everybody get handouts? We're good to go. Rock and roll. So he says this. God desires to interrupt your ordinary to show you the potential for something greater. God desires to interrupt your ordinary to show you the potential for something greater. There's a big truth that we can kind of say about ourselves as people is that we gravitate towards routine. We love routine. We love comfort. We love ease. We love the simple. We tend to gravitate towards that ordinary constantly. And God is saying, man, I want to take you out of that so bad. I want to, I want to take you out of, out of what is normal to you, what is comfortable to you, what is easy for you. Because I have something better for you. I want to give you guys your own sun stencil moments in life where you say, man, here's a problem. Here's an issue. Here's a thing that is incredibly impossible that I know only God can do in and through me. So, I, God, I want, I want you to take me out of what's ordinary. God, take me out of what makes me feel comfortable. God, take me out of what makes me feel safe and protected. God, put me in places where, God, I can only trust you. Where in the end, I can only go to God and say, man, it was only because of him that he did this. It was only because of him. And God wants to do that with you and me, that he's inviting you and I to say, hey, get out of the ordinary. Get out of the things that you do routinely because I have something better for you. That God didn't rescue you and I so that we could manage our sins and kind of keep ourselves in Christian cruise control so that we can just do the same things over and over again on routine. Where we can say, I got up this morning, had my quiet time, went to school, I talked to Jesus for a little bit, and then I came on Wednesday night service, and I went to Thursday night choir, and I went to Saturday night service and Sunday morning service, I served in VIP, and then Sunday night I went to refuge. And, you know, we just do the same thing over and over again. God's saying, I want, us, I want you to see that there's more potential to your life than just what you're doing on a daily basis. And that, that the same God who does incredible miracles in the Old Testament and in, in the New Testament wants to do those same sort of miracles through you. That's what he's invited you into. That's what he wants you to be a part of. And this is the thing. It's not about these huge, amazing dreams about, about man, for some, it, it might be for some of you. For some of you guys, it might be signing up for the next mission trip we go to as a youth group. That might be your son's stance to mom because you're so scared to get out of this area. Maybe it's going overseas. Let me tell you, we have a church that goes on mission constantly, okay? What we have here at Hope is a gem, okay? We don't have what everybody else has. Not everybody is going overseas as much and as frequently as we are. So if there's an opportunity for you to go do something, let me tell you, you can go do that. And that kind of that gut feeling you have right now where you're like, yeah, I don't know, you need to go sign up and do something like that. Because that's God stirring in your heart. And he said, listen, I've got a sunstone moment ready and waiting for you. I just want you to go and seize it. And for some of you guys, it might not be the big Africa thing. It might not be going overseas. It might not be part of part of vision. It might not be going and sharing Jesus with somebody. It might be as simple as saying, hey, listen, uh, God's saying, I want you to restore this relationship in your life. I want you, this friend that you have beef with or whatever, you need to go fix that. You need to be the first person to talk. You need to be the first person to say, I'm sorry. You need to be the first person to apologize. And you're like, no, 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 you understand what they said. You understand what they did to me. You understand how much trash they talked. You understand what they said behind my back. And God says, I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. He's saying, 
I want you right now, right where you're at. You're impossible. Your son stands to a moment. Your thing that God, you're saying, God, there's no way this can really happen. There's no way that we can have restoration because she is crazy and I'm the only normal person around. <laughs> the girls are laughing because they're like, oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God knows that stuff. And he's saying, listen, maybe for you, it's restoring that relationship. And God wants to do that through you. So at the end, you can say, man, it seemed hopeless, but it was God. God was the one who worked in my heart and in my life to change me and to change my heart. And it's not about, oh, so-and-so went and did something crazy in Africa. I use Africa as a metaphor. I'm not, like, really saying everybody should go to Africa. But whether you think, like, I'm just going to go and talk to my friend, that's my moment. It doesn't matter how big or how small these moments are. What matters is your obedience to these things. God's saying, I want to create some sun standstill moments. I want you to pray these crazy, audacious prayers where you're saying, God, you are the only one that can come through for me. God, you are the only one that can accomplish the impossible. Um, when I was 18, so I graduated high school in 2005. Represent 2005 graduates? Anybody? Seven years ago. Come on. And so... Uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, so I graduated high school like seven years ago. That was awesome. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I, my first, my first trip out to Vegas, I was, I graduated from high school in Alabama, Sparkman High School, Senators. And uh, if anybody from Sparkman High School even listens to our podcast, they're going to be like, yeah, they're probably more like, yeehaw. And so, uh, but, uh, um, so, so anyway, so I, uh, I, I graduated high school, and actually Travis, who's our teaching pastor here at Hope, he, um, he was my Scott. He was my student pastor when I was in high school. And uh, <laughs> what happened was uh, he was just an incredible influence in my life. He basically walked with me for a couple of years early on in high school, and then what happened was that he came out to Vegas, and I was like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> and... Uh, so I graduated high school, and I kept in contact with Travis, and he invited me to come out over Christmas of 2005. And so I was like, and I lived in Alabama for the majority of my life at that point, and so I'd moved around a lot as a kid, but I was very comfortable with, with Alabama. And so, I, um, so Travis invited me to come out here, and so in 2005, I made my first trip out here in December, and loved it. And I, I just, I, I couldn't believe, like, oh, man, this is like, this is so cool. I've never been here in my life. I've never even seen so many lights in my entire life. And so, like, I was, like, freaking out. And, um, but God started doing something inside my heart where I was, like, I I didn't know, like, what it was. And I felt like, man, God was really leading me to live here. And, and to me, that was, like, the last page of my book. I was, like, there's no way. Like, I'm not even thinking about that. That's not even registering for me. I don't want to move out here, God. I don't, I'm good and comfortable. I've got Alabama, you know, represent you know i got i got all that awesome grass and trees and things like that i've got plenty of that and so like i don't want to come out here where there's no grass or trees there's plenty of rocks but i mean like i don't want any of that stuff and so i i i fought with god on that for a while and then uh, i came out again in the summer of 2006 and uh when i came out that time i came out to, to visit travis and visit micah and to kind of see you know what you know and is there, is there a potential? Can I, can I move out here? And I, was, and I was very opposed. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to move out here. There's no way that I'm going to let God tell me that I'm going to go move from Alabama, you know, where I'm, you know, working. I was basically doing what Scott was doing uh, for a church over there. I was a student pastor, and I was 
just working for the church, and I was doing, I was very comfortable, very easygoing, had a great, you know, I was making a good income for my first uh, year of college, and I was like, man, I'm doing great, and probably at the end of this, I'm going to go and get a better job, and all this other stuff, and so, like, I had kind of my whole life kind of planned out for myself, and God was just wrecking that like crazy, and just, you know, just over and over and over again, I was like, I couldn't get Vegas out of my heart, I couldn't get Vegas out of my mind, and so I I told Travis that next time when I came in 2006, I was like, he's like, man, you want to move here? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, I, I, I want to. And, and I, you know, I talked to God more, and I was just like, yeah, I, I got to. I have to do this. This is not an easy decision for me. It's not a simple decision for me. But I know it's the right decision for me. And, and so I, I, I made that decision in 2006. I said, a year from now, I'm going to move to Vegas. And I, I wish I could tell you that year between that time was, like, great. But I, my, my situation with the church I was at was just going crazy where, like, everybody was leaving. And then, like, it was, like, I was, like, one of the only staff members that was, like, I'd been there for, like, more than a few years. And I was, like, hey, guys, I'm peacing out. And they're, like, you can't go. And I was, like, oh, gosh. And so, like, there were so many other hard things. But here was, here was what was great was that, was that God this whole time was just – he was, he was calling me. He was, he was saying, hey, Ben, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to go to Vegas. You're supposed to be a part of this. You're supposed to go there. And on all these things, and, and some of the things were lining up great, and some of the things weren't lining up great. But here's, the, here's what I didn't hold on to. I didn't, I didn't hold on to the circumstances around me and say, okay, God, you're going to determine you know, whether this door opens or closes or whatever that is for me. You're going to tell me how to, how to, how to, what I'm supposed to do based upon my current circumstance. Here's what I knew. God was calling me here. And so it was just a matter of time before I went. And there were so many questions I had. And it wasn't a matter of I had everything answered. I still had tons of doubt. I still had tons of unanswered questions. But I knew who God was. And I knew that God was saying, hey, you got to go do this. And I knew I had to get out of what was comfortable. Because here's the thing. It made me uneasy. It made me unsettled. And I knew that God was calling me out of what was, un, out of what was familiar and ordinary to me. So that he could use a God, son, stand still moment in my life. So I can point to him and say, it's not because I just said yes and God did it. And God was the one who drove my heart and, 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 and brought me to Las Vegas. And that was about five years ago now in May. And, and I'm going to tell you, like, I'm so thankful that God was the one. And, and it was an incredible journey of, of faith trying to figure out, man, God, what are you teaching me? What are you trying to tell me to do? And so God was the one who did that in my own life. And I pray that there's times in your life where you can look back and say, man, I'm so glad I chose to get up what was ordinary and comfortable and easy for me. And, and, and here's my challenge for us. We got a couple more points, but I just want to say this real quick. Is that, man, God rescued us and saved us. Not so, like I said before, so that we can just, you know, put the cruise control on. Just kind of go through the Christian life without thinking about anything else and just kind of doing our own thing. God saved you and I, and God rescued us out of darkness and brought us into light so that we could reflect the greatness of who he is. That's what God did. God said, listen, I've invited you into this life. I want you to experience the Christian life. Because here's the thing. If you just think that the Christian life is just you and Jesus kind of just hanging out and doing a nice, comfortable Christian thing, you are missing the best parts of the Christian life. You are missing it. If you think that God's called you to comfort and ease. When God says, listen, my life is, supposed, is supposed to reflect my, your life is supposed to reflect my greatness. He's saying that, listen, your life is supposed to point to, to God and say, look at, look at how amazing my God is. And how insulting is it that we say, mm, no, 
I just want to do this thing for myself. I just kind of want to keep, you know, I want to, you know, keep me in the car seat, keep me nice and safe, keep me in the, God's saying, I'm inviting you in because I want your life to show the greatness of who I am. That stuff you read about in the Bible, that stuff that God does for you, that God did in in his word, he wants to do through you. Because here's the thing, he's all about himself. And that may sound arrogant and crazy and weird, but it's okay. Man, God is inviting you guys to say, listen, I want your lives to reflect my greatness. We can't go on to saying, God, I'm good with the normal. I'm good with the simple. I'm good with the mundane. It's saying, I want your life to reflect my greatness. Here's your second truth. You're not nearly as this long, but here's your second truth. To experience God's sun stand still moment, where you are is where it begins. Okay? That sounds like something you should, you know, put on an awesome placard or something and put in your wall. So where you are is where it begins. Here's what I mean by that. This doesn't have to do with your qualifications. This doesn't have to do with, with what you're ready for. God's inviting you in here right now to say, hey, listen, I want you to, to, to live lives of, of this impossible God, of, of God using your life in a huge way right where you are, right as you are. God's not saying, hey, listen, you got to, here's, here's the biggest lie. Here's the biggest lie the enemy tells you. You're too young. You're only in the seventh grade. You're only going to graduate high school, and you've missed it. Or, listen, you've, you've got to have more quiet times. Or you've got to be more consistent in your quiet times. Or, listen, you've got to have more scripture memorized. Or you've got to have, you got to serve more on the weekends. You've got to work in VIP or hope for kids. You've got to serve at refuge. You've got to be on the worship team. You've got to be a pastor. You've got to do all these things. That is the biggest lie, and don't listen to it. Please don't listen to that. God is calling you guys to do incredible things, whether it be in your school when you go back in the fall, whether it be where you work at right now at your job. God wants to use you in situations to do the impossible, but he wants to use you right now. He's not looking for you guys to get these certain qualifications and standards that you've somehow put in your mind that separate you from attaining these things. He's saying, I want to use you right where you are right at this moment. Right as you are. If you get anything tonight, please get that. It's not just about you trying to get to some goal. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that trying to get to some sort of, you know, man, I want to be more consistent with my quiet time is bad. But here's the thing. Don't let that be an excuse as to why you're not letting God show the impossible through you. Don't let that be your excuse. Here's, here's something I want you guys to know. Here's your next little blank. It says this. God's not waiting for the qualified. He's calling the unqualified to do the impossible. God's not waiting for you to get your resume ready so you can be some super spiritual person and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm doing pretty good in quiet times. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really getting in small groups, you know. I'm answering good questions. I'm having a journal. God's not, I'm, I'm waiting for you to do that kind of stuff. I don't need you to get to that point so I can start using you. God says, I want to use you, seventh grader. I want to use you, eighth grader, right where you are right now. And here's the thing, and when we think about these moments, these things that God wants to do the impossible through, whether that is to reach your school. We kind of talked about a little bit of the whole take the land piece where we put the flags in the ground. And here's kind of the, the heartbreaking truth, and I'm not like, and Scott, I talked about this a bit beforehand. You're probably not going to win your whole school to Christ. Oh, gosh. So, but here's the thing. You can win one person. You can win two people. You can win your best friend. You can win three people. 
And then they can start doing the same. When you start telling them that their lives can be used in a greater way. Because here's the thing. When you're reaching somebody for Jesus and you're like, hey, man, I want you to come experience this life with Jesus. And they're like, cool. Like, what's, what's so cool about this relationship with God? And it's like, well, you know, I come and hang out on Sunday nights at church. <laughs> God's like, man, I wanna, when I tell somebody about Jesus, man, I want to invite them into something that's exciting and amazing. And saying, hey, listen, this life that I live. It's, it's, it's an adventure. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Man, God is the one who's doing the impossible through me. That, man, that a few years ago, man, I got to go to Africa. And, and, and a week before the trip, man, I was $1,500 short. But the incredible thing is, is that I knew God was saying, hey, Ben, you're supposed to go on this trip. And here's the amazing thing. Like six days before the trip was started, somebody called me and said, hey, listen, I want to take care of the rest of your stuff for you. I want to take care of the rest of your, your balance. It's, it's taken care of. Because I believe that this is what God wants you to do. Man, that blew my mind that God only, I want to I get God out of my box and, and, and throw the box away and put it in the trash and the garbage disposal or whatever. God wants to use you guys, and God wants to see that, man, he wants to reach your friends more than you do. But are we inviting them into this comfortable Christian life? Are we inviting them into this adventure with Jesus? We're saying, God wants to do the amazing in and through your life. Here's the last point. We're, we're almost done. Is what you believe about God will shape your son's your son's standstill moment. What you believe about God will shape your son's standstill moments. Because here's the thing: if if Joshua didn't know who God was, would he have been able to make such a crazy prayer? If he didn't if he didn't see God work before in the past, how would he have known? If he hadn't been under the teaching of Moses and seen years in the desert, the wilderness, of how God provided for these people daily. Here's the thing. Joshua knew God. He knew who God was. He knew who was asking him to do the impossible. And he knew that God was going to do it through him. So for me, that decision that took to take a step out in faith and, and, and move across the country as, as a 19-year-old. When I talk to my parents, I'm like, hey, your 18-year-old son wants to move to Vegas in a year. Is that cool? And they're like, what? <laughs> they were actually incredibly nice about it, but they were like, yeah, we believe that that's what God wants you to do. And I was like, what? And like, that was crazy. My dad was like, and he's like super military guy, like, you know, and he was like, you know, you got to, somebody's like, went like this, like, yeah. So <laughs> it's more like this. And so uh, he, uh, but the fact that he was supportive and he's like, Ben, if that's what God's called you to do, that's what God's called you to do. And just knowing my dad like that, hearing me say that was like, God's doing something here that I don't believe. But here's the thing. I knew who God was. And if I didn't know who God was, I wouldn't have taken that step. If I didn't know who God was, if I didn't knew, know that, that God was asking me and inviting me to do the impossible, I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken that step to come out here. And, and, and here's the thing tonight, guys. As much as I'm talking with you guys, because I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about myself. I, I got I to speak honestly here for a moment that when we were talking about Take the Land that last week and I was talking about building a timeline of faith is that, you know, when we look at the past and we look at the things in our life, we see, you know, man, God came to me here and here and here and here and here. And I was looking at myself and I was like, man, when was the last time I did that? Like, when was the last time I can look back and be like, man, God really came through for me here? That, when did I put myself in a circumstance or a situation where God would have to only be the only person responsible for rescuing me? Like, 
When was the last time I did that? And that's something that I want, want you guys to know as, as, a, as a leader with you guys, as, 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 a, as, a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, who's walking the same life as you, that I have to ask myself these same questions. Am I willing to see God do incredible things? And man, how amazing would it be that as a student ministry, as refuge, as, as you guys here in Vegas, and as you guys pray these crazy prayers and ask God to do these amazing things in your life, we would be a student ministry that's known for people that are doing incredible things, but it's not them. It's the God in them. It's the God working the incredible out through them. And here's the last three things that I want to say real quick. And I put on here steps, but it's really, it's not really steps. It's more like, I don't know what it is. But here's, here's kind of the idea. Here's what I want you guys to walk away with tonight. Here's some, some like practical next action things for you guys. I want to use action steps. That sounds weird. <laughs> here's what I want to say. Here's the first blank for you. Pray. Pray. We don't say this enough at Refuge. We don't, we don't emphasize that discipline enough because we think that scares you guys because I'm sure that maybe you guys don't, you know, when you guys hear the word pray, you're all like, Ugh, hours of silence, Ugh, you know, makes you uncomfortable. But here's how we know and here's what hope is founded on that, that, that prayer is the work and then God works. That's something that we say all the time as a staff. That that's how we believe that God works is through prayer. And tonight, if you're like, man, I don't, I've been, you have, you're speaking over my head and I have no clue what this whole sun standstill moment for me looks like. I don't know what the impossible thing is that God wants me to do in my life. I don't know if it's to reach my high school. I don't know if it's, if it's to preach the gospel across the street to my neighbors. I don't know if it's to actually go sign up for a mission trip or work in a ministry or do whatever. But listen, God's putting some dreams and things inside of your heart. And maybe you don't know what that is. Pray about it. I mean, if you want to be invited to, part of the, to be a part of this adventure, pray about it. Let's talk to God about that. But here's the thing, if you already know, man, if, if, if during this time you're, you're sitting here and you're like, I know what I need to go do. I need to go talk to that person. I need to go, I need to go fix that problem. I need to go and I need to, man, I need to start making this test because here's the thing, next year when I go back to school, day one, man, I'm going to be walking with Jesus and I want to I I share Christ with my high school. I want to share Christ with the people that are in my classroom. I want people to know that I'm a Jesus follower. I want to make a difference in the circle of friends that I'm around. And you know that that's what God's calling you to do. And you're like, God, this is impossible. But here's the crazy thing. I want you to do it through me. So your prayer is this. God, give me more clarity. Help me to see what it is you want me to do. The second thing is this, is to know. Like I said before, you can't take that step if you don't know who God is. If If you don't know him intimately. If you don't know what God's promised you. If you don't know the things that God has invited you into, if you don't know the God of the Bible, if you don't know his character, how can we, how can we go forward? How can, we, how can I put my faith in that? So it's key that we spend time with him. We talk about that all the time here at Refuge, that we spend time with God. We get to know who he is. Here's your last thing, to act. If these things in our heads that we're asking God to do, these crazy impossible things whether it's to see my family come to Christ whether it's to do better at my job whether it's to you name it, fill in the blank if we just think about this and pray about it and just it's just all in here, it's just a daydream we're just dreaming that's all it is 
But until we put action to it, it does nothing. I love it when God's word says that his word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And I heard this uh, from a guy named Stephen Furtick who said, man, I'm so glad that this whole lamp into my feet, that it's, it's a lamp. It's, it's a small thing. He's, he's, he's giving you a small lamp that you can only see so much in front of you. But he didn't say, God, give me a floodlight. <laughs> give me a, a, a huge beaming torch pointing in my direction so I can see every single step in front of me and I can go. He says, man, God's giving me a little bit of vision right here for as, as far as I can go. And here's the thing. It starts right now. You taking that first step and saying, God, I want to take that first step. I do. That uh, wherever I'm at, at this moment, be obedient to that. You're not thinking 18 steps ahead of like, oh, I've got I've to get this organized and I've got to get this together and do this and do that. And God's saying, be obedient to what you are doing right at this moment. What I've called you to do right now, be obedient to that. And as you take another step further, you have that lamp and it goes a little bit further and it goes a little further and it goes a little further. You're taking the next step, the next step, the next step. And then you can look back and you can see the steps you took of obedience and following God. So tonight, man, I hope you guys see that you are not meant as Christians, Jesus followers, to just to do the same routine. That God didn't call you into the ordinary. He calls you out of that and wants to use your life to do impossible, crazy things. Let me pray for us and the band can come up. So if that's you here tonight, and if, if, you're, if you felt God in your heart stirring and saying, man, I want to see God work, and, 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 and he's showing you things in your life that he wants to accomplish in and through you, ask God to give you more clarity about that. Ask God to show you more. Here's the thing. You are not meant to do this alone. God didn't just meant for you to have this idea in your head. Maybe your first step is this. Tell somebody. I need to tell somebody about my sunstencil moments in my life. And I feel like God's called me to this, Micah. Help me keep me accountable. For you, it's your friend. For you, it's somebody else. Your next step is finding accountability. So tonight, man, I hope that God's working in you, showing you and teaching you that, man, that he can accomplish incredible and amazing works through your life. Jesus, tonight, i going to pray as, as we sit there. God, I, I ask that you would God, give us more clarity. God, would you give us boldness to take these steps of faith? God, whatever you've called us to do, whether that's to, to, to talk to our best friend about Jesus, whether that's to love somebody that seems unlovable, whether that's to go sign up for the next mission trip, whether that's to organize the next mission trip to go overseas. God, we want to be obedient to that. And God, in the end, we want to point to you and recognize that it's always been about you. It's not about making great our name and saying, look what God did in me, but just saying, look at what God did. Look at what he's shown me. 
God, you are the reason. God, why we sing, God, we celebrate you. God, we want to live radicalized, pursuing you because, God, that's what you've called us to do. A radical pursuit of Jesus. So, God, would you be magnified? Would you be lifted up? Lord, we love you. To we pray. Amen.